Notification. 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 This podcast episode was produced before 2020. This is important because in 2020, Jason Peters published a story about the same subject of this podcast in the newspaper Philadelphia Weekly. That article is attached in the description of this episode. The audio you are hearing is not the audio used for the Philadelphia Weekly article, but was used as a source. This concludes this notification. This notification will self-destruct in 3, 2, 1. 2,100. Well, I can't tell you at the time. Can't tell you this time. Nah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I can't tell you about the future. 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 Two, two, two thousand one hundred. Hey, hey, hey. Bitch, you better praise God or I'm a shooting. That's on God. I ain't playing by my Lord and Savior. I'm on my job. If you ain't a Christian, I'ma stab you in the face. If it ain't about Jesus, I'ma hit you with this cave. appears that the line between crazy and genius is the level of success that you attain or how much your message resonates with any given population. Some of the most innovative and unique people throughout history were seen as the craziest and most controversial figures of their time. For example, allegedly Jesus was the maverick of his time, during a period in which it was not uncommon to proclaim yourself a prophet or even the Messiah, he stood out because of his message of empowerment for the poor, acceptance of the other, and advocacy against marginalization. This made him a pariah, eventually leading to his execution. Similar patterns occurred in the lives of other mavericks, JFK, Joan of Arc, MLK, and so on. In the shadows of these great figures, how many outcasts lie? For all of the MLKs and Einsteins, how many people believe that they are next up and never bud into fruition? Never galvanize the world and become great enough to take down? How have these role models affected the world? What is truly worth our time and attention? What is truly revolutionary? 
This episode embodies the essence of 2019, the 21st century, and the lives that we lead. This interview was not meant to become its own episode, but it's simply too interesting not to zoom in on. Anyone who knows me knows that I am not religious. As a matter of fact, I avoid the topic in the series as to not alienate people. This interview is with a man named Mike. Mike is best known by the moniker Philly Jesus. He dresses like Jesus Christ and interacts with the public. Simple as that. During this interview, he is dressed as Jesus, in a robe, with a staff, the whole nine. He's well known in Philly. You'll hear passerbys that recognize him. You'll hear strangers who are confused by him. You'll hear me, taken back at times, then telling his story for him at others. To be honest, the more I learned about Philly Jesus, the more sense he made. His path is not rare, but his end result is. This is the story about life in the 21st century. This story is truthfully not a rare one. There are more people with lives like Philly Jesus than you would expect. The life of Philly Jesus is the life of many white, middle-ish class suburban men. It's a tale of turbulence, triumph, loss, and honesty that in the end will leave you unsatisfied. It's the honest-to-God truth about life and struggling America with Jesus by your side. To the people of 2100, this man's story is seriously not uncommon in America in 2019. Just because you're about to hear a white man order red wine and break bread at an Irish pub in Center City, Philadelphia, dressed like Jesus Christ, doesn't take away from the reality of what he's explaining. If anything, it's the only reason why the story is interesting. Without further ado, the life of Philly Jesus, so far in his own words. Your own personal Jesus. Someone to hear your prayers, someone who cares. Your own personal Jesus. Someone to hear your prayers, someone who's there. Come on down. I was just doing a sound check. How you doing, buddy? Good, how are you? Chillin' chillin'. I got us some french fries. I got you a water. What do you drink? I got a Guinness. Do you like beer? Do you drink beer? I don't drink wine. Can you get me wine? I'll get you wine. It seems fitting. Red wine, yeah. You genuinely only drink red wine? Uh, Yeah, well, I mean... Sit down. On very special occasions, I have one margarita, you know? Okay. One margarita? Yeah, but I... Some margaritas and wine? Yeah, but I don't get drunk ever. That's fair. Um, so, so uh, how was your day today? My day was good. Um, do you want me to ex- put this down, un- stop recording, and explain what this no, is? Or do you just keep it rolling? Yeah, I mean, re- just record everything you're talking about. Okay, um, so the premise of the podcast series is that um, we're leaving a time capsule back to the people 2100. So the premise is that... Um, is it cool if I film this? Like, just you... You don't mind, right? Film the whole thing? Well, it's uh, for Facebook Live, if you don't mind. You Facebook Live some of it. I don't want you to get all of it. Yeah. Might... Yeah, either way. You do your thing. Yeah, it's um, it's just part of the... Um, 
the artistry, you know what I'm saying? That's absolutely fine, bud. If you don't mind. You say the artistry, what do you mean? Oh, well, I'm, I consider myself an artist. You know what I'm saying? I, I do all types of, every type of artistry that, well, mostly every type of artistry that one can fathom, you know, I pretty much, you know, do it. Like, um, God has blessed me as a jack of all trades, you know, man of many talents, you know what I'm saying? To God be the glory. So, all right, so now we're on Facebook Live. Uh, yeah, they got it. Camera. All right. So, the premise of the podcast is that we're talking to people in 2100. The yeah. premise of this specific episode is I'm talking to people with different lifestyles. People that aren't doing the 9 to 5, living like an accountant. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, and you obviously live a somewhat alternative lifestyle. So, to an audience of... Because this isn't just Philadelphia. This is national. Oh, cool. Like, anyone in the world can listen to this. That's awesome. So, explain who exactly you are, yeah. what exactly it is that you do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um and to and keep in mind that this is also to be left for the people of 2100. Okay. To listen to. That's awesome. Yeah, so my name is Michael Dennis Grant. That's what my mom That's what my biological mother, my earth mother named me. She named my earth my human anatomy when I was a little baby, she named me Michael Dennis Grant. And um yeah, and uh you know, long story short, you know, um, you know, when I was like 12 years old, I just, I, I was misguided and I, I started hanging out with the wrong crowd in like, you know, grade school and started smoking marijuana in the seventh grade, hanging out with the wrong people. Just thought it was cool to hang out with the, you know, I thought it was cool to have smoke come out of your mouth. Just the idea of smoke coming out of your mouth, it, it made me think of like a dragon. Yeah, I know. You know I, understand, so I, I understand the allure of smoke. Yeah, so um, I was kind of like seduced into um, smoking at a very young age in seventh grade at a Catholic school, St. Joseph uh, grade school. I went, I had a Catholic education, you know. Where's Where is that? That's in like uh, uptown, uh, out. it's right on the cusp outside of Philly. Like Bucks County? Um, Sheltonham. Got it, got it. Yeah, but um, I mean, I was born and raised in uh, in Philadelphia. That's just where I went to school, got you know. It. So, cause it, it, my biological mother, she wanted me to go to a, a, a private school. She didn't want, mm -hmm. you know, she didn't want me to go to a public school. She she thought a Roman Catholic education would be good for her son. Okay, you know? so you you started messing up around seventh grade, like thirteen years old. Yeah, that's when I got there you it. Go, guys. Gotcha. Could I get him a glass of red wine? Sure. And are uh, you done with this? Yes, I am. Can, okay. I, can I get Cabernet? If you Cabernet, sure. Hey, would you mind putting like uh, a bowl of cheese so I could dip it in cheese? Is that possible? Yeah, I'll pay more. Yeah, don't you got it. Yeah, All right, thank you. Got it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I went to uh, I went to Roman Catholic grade school from uh, first grade to eighth grade. Started smoking weed in seventh grade, and then um, uh, then I went into high school. I went to uh, two years of uh, Roman Catholic uh, high school. But I got kicked out because I was smoking uh, marijuana and cigarettes in the, uh, the the lavatories, you know. Troubled youth. Yeah, and so I had to finish out my high school education at a um, a school, a, a a private public school um, for incorrigible uh, kids. So like. Uh, so I finished out junior and senior year there. Is that the word they used? Incorrigible. Yeah, incorrigible. That's not a nice word. Yeah, it's for a school for bad kids, you know. Yeah. So I had to finish up there. Basically, the school was for like drug addicts, you know, just people that were very no, I know. It's like people an that alternative are school. yeah, people that are very rebellious in high school. They all they, they all go there. Got it. 
And so I finished up my high school education there. And then, um, and then after that, I, I attempted to go to college at a community college of Philadelphia. You know? um, I lasted. What, at what point were you? Um... I bless this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I apologize for eating a few of them before you it's blessed okay. it. Um, we all fall short. Um, at what point did um, the Jesus persona come oh, yeah. upon you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, that's that's Trey Digger. How you doing, sir? My name is Jason. Nice yeah, to meet you. we're just doing a, a podcast interview. Yeah, but yeah, no, but but how you been? I'm pretty good. Good to see you. Yeah, God bless you. You too, brother. I love I love you. I love you too. I love you more. Alright, Have a good day, buddy. You too. I'll see you soon. He's a rapper. He's good. Alright, I believe it. Yeah. He's part of a, a rap group called Ghost Gang. They're Ghost good. Gang. I used to rap with them before I started doing my Jesus interpretation walking around, you know. Okay, so Yeah, so how I got C- to the was that CCP or are we leading up after CCP? So I went to CCP for about maybe six weeks and then I dropped out because I was my mind was so fogged up on the marijuana. I was a very very big stoner pothead, you know, and uh, I wasn't able to. Do you mind saying how much you would smoke a day? Or did like you? seven blunts, you know, like cigar wraps. I would yeah, no, crack no, open a cigar blunts. and I would fill up like like I would fill my blunts. I would roll fat blunts, you know. I was very into fat blunts and just smoking. And blunts are a waste of weed too. Yeah, I know, but I was just I had a very expensive taste for drugs. You were spending know? a lot on weed. Yeah, and I would. Yeah, I would smoke. How long would an ounce last you? A couple days. Damn. Maybe three days at the most. Yeah. Uh, and so so I, I I was at CCP for like six weeks. I dropped out. And um, I just started doing uh, drugs. Like and harder when, drugs? Yeah. And then when I was 19, I was dating this girl who was 17. And I was madly in love with her. But she cheated on me, and then but I, when I found out she cheated on me, I was madly in love with her. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And um, basically, like one time, she pulled up in front of my house, and I went out there to like talk to her. Be careful, this is very high. Absolutely, thank you, buddy. Just came out of there. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So um. So I like she came out in front of my house, and I wanted to talk to her, but. I was very angry yeah. and, and emotional, so she was intimidated from my presence at the, when I was 19 and she was 17. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I was in front of the hood of the car, like, mm-hmm. banging on her car to get out. I want to talk to you. Like, how could you do this to me? How could you break my heart? How could you lo- tell someone you love them and yeah. just go behind her back and betray them? So she wanted to get out the car. So she's like, yo, move out the way or I'm going to pull off. And so I, like, I put my whole body on, on the hood of the car and was holding on to the windshield wipers. And so she she was driving off with me on the windshield. And so basically somehow my body swerved over to the left side of the car where the and my legs got caught in the tire and I got spinned I got spinned around like a rag doll, spinning around like a rag yeah. doll, bouncing up and down underneath the car like a basketball. Yeah, right over. Yeah, I looked like a pinball in a pinball machine just shooting back and forth to each tire. It was crazy. Like I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. I th- I thought I was like like this was it for me, you know. My heart dropped out of my chest. I thought this is it, like, and um, so the tires ran over my abdominal area. There's tire tracks all over my stomach, and my my right knee was completely turned around to the other side, as if I was bending from the other side. 
and my shin bone was sticking out. It was like uh, a nightmare come true. Yeah, and, um, and that's young shit too. Yeah, I was 19. It's, it's she was 17. Right? It was puppy glove, you know. But yeah, as long as you acknowledge that. Yeah. You don't and you don't like uh, you're not holding on to that. I can't. You can't hold. Yo, what's not meant to be is not meant to be, and you can't. We all have a passport. We can't live there, you know. The way you described it, it sounded like uh, is I couldn't tell if it was coming from a place of angst or if you're just a super intense dude. Yeah, I'm very intense. Yeah, I know. I'm, I, very, I'm very sensitive and I'm I feel everything. You know, as someone, I'm very, else, I'm very empathetic. You know. Oh, I certainly want. Mm-hmm. Oh, here comes our buddy. Yeah, I'm very. Um, I have a lot of empathy, you know, and um, I feel. I feel. No, I've, I've, I'm someone that often gets described as intense, but you you raise the bar because. Here's the wine. Here it is. It's for him. Oh, okay. What type of wine? Come on. Cabernet. Yo, you, can I get a, a piece of bread? Um, yeah. I, I'll thank, take yeah, I, yeah. Thank you. <coughs> yeah. So where was I? Yeah, I, I got ran over. The You know, I was laying out. The car stripped all my clothes off me. The tires. Was like, this was like three days before Christmas in like 2005. So um, I was just laying in the street like naked, you know, like blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was in so much pain that there was no pain. I was in total shock. Like it, my whole body went into numb mode. I was numb, you know, and um, all my neighbors came out throwing blankets on me to try to keep me warm. And I'm just like shaking and convulsing, like saying, um, like, I'm dying, I'm dying. I was just so very emotional. Yeah. And um, yeah, so the ambulance came and I tried to stand up. I thought I could walk because I didn't feel I was numb, you know. So I thought I could walk. I didn't feel any pain yet. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, buddy. You got it. And um, so that snap a pic of this if you don't mind. Yeah. Is, come on, that's on the nose. There you go. Yeah. So um, so the accident. So happens. the ambulance the ambulance came and um, I was just kept telling the uh, paramedics like, "Yo, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying." I was just so crazy. I was just uh, screaming and crying, and uh, I thought I could walk, but my leg looked like a slinky just hanging there. And um, so as soon as they put me in the ambulance, they just shot me up with all this sedation medicine to calm me down and shoot me up with morphine. And you were 19, yeah. and, and you were already into drugs, essentially, and you yeah. got hit by a car. I wasn't into hardcore drugs. I was, a, I was, I was, when I was like in grade school, I was smoking marijuana well no, actually the, i was i was smoking wet i was smoking pcp wet when i was like 13 so yeah that's, that's pretty hardcore yeah that's pretty aggressive i was smoking a bombing fluid you know and um so now you're 19 this big accident happens and then so the doctors i was in the hospital inpatient for like two weeks and mm-hmm. the doctors put my leg back together the doctors they said it was a miracle that there was no internal damage like they were expecting my insides to be ripped up internally like but they said it because there was tire tracks all over my stomach and they were like, and it was a two ton minivan like on top of me. It ran over me literally. So they were like, they don't understand. It's a miracle, you know, that there's no internal damage. It was only my knee that was like effed up, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so the doctors, they, um, they released me, you know, I was bedridden, confined in my bed for, for six months after the surgery when they put me back together. And my knee was like swollen, healing, you know? I had to go to physical therapy for six months from uh, between the age of 19 and 20, you know? And um, they were prescribing me like medicines, like for the pain. So oh God. this is how the, this is, this is how the drug. Uh, I know how it starts. Yeah, so, it's how America works. So the doctors were prescribing me Percocets. Um, yep. 
basically heroin in a pill. I you know. know. And, uh, and I you climbed climb the perk ladder. Yeah. So when I took the when I took the pills, like I, it took away all my pain, physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain. It just numbed my entire being, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I fell in love with the feeling, and I would start to abuse the medication. I'll yeah. take more than I was I supposed to. That's how it goes. And then you know my my biological mother told the doctor behind my back, like, yo. Like you're turning my son into a, a drug addict, yeah. you know. That's what happens. I, I, I don't want him to do it anymore. So they, so the doctors listened to her and they they cut me off, and they uh, tried to give me something non-narcotic. But I was already in love with the feeling of it. Yep. So then I I basically Switched. sought I sought out like a street pharmacist, a drug dealer. You exactly. Know? And then I was paying for the drugs in cash, like. Yep. I know um, how it works. From, yeah. And then I was introduced by doing that on the street. You know, get my drugs on the street. I was introduced to sniffing up heroin. Because uh -huh. they, they were, you know. They, I know I, what, what normally happens. I, I know tons of heroin addicts. I know yeah. people that have gotten into it. Um, some in my family. You get prescribed those pills. You climb the perk ladder, perk 5, 10, 20, yeah. 30. And then once you get pulled off the drugs, you don't get the prescription. Yeah. You got to go to meth, heroin, now fentanyls on the streets. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, so I get that. So you were into hardcore drugs. Yeah, um, so basically, you know, seeking out my drugs on the street from a street pharmacist, aka drug dealer. Yeah, I was introduced to stiffen up heroin. It was, you know, it was cheaper. It hits you quicker when you stiff it up. Like, and I fell in love with the feel. It was stronger, you know. So I, I just started stiffing up heroin. Uh, I would buy oxycontins on the street. Mm -hmm. I buy Percocets on the street, and I would crush them up, Xanax on the, and I would just sniff everything. You know, yeah. I felt I had an addiction to sniffing for a couple of years. And that morphed into uh, basically me trying shoot, shooting up heroin. Yes, that's naturally yeah. the progression. It goes from snorting and smoking to shooting up once so you then, get that desperate. Once I shot up heroin for the first time, I was in love with it. Like it, it hit me directly, like yeah. instantly, boom! I'd have to wait for it to kick in, mm -hmm. and I fell in love with that feeling. And then um, my drug addiction got so bad. And then on top of that, I was doing speed balls, like I was mixing cocaine with heroin, and you know, I was sniffing cocaine. I would go to strip clubs, you know, I would live a very promiscuous, uh, lustful lifestyle. Just like, How are you funding all the cocaine? I was robbing and stealing uh, from from, naturally. from my own family, friends, yes. even strangers. No, man. no, yeah, I know. I was a scumbag, basically. That's how it goes. That's yeah. what you, you become a scumbag when, when that happens. Yeah, like if I was if I if I was your acquaintance or so called friend during my drug addiction, I would steal your wallet at the same and help you look for it at the same time and like act like like I'm your friend, and I would I betray would, people. Yeah, I would actually. Um, people would sincerely befriend me, and my whole time I was like, um, "How could I use this person?" Yeah, like I was plotting on the person as soon as they befriend me. Like, like what type of stuff can I steal? Like, if they invite me into that house, what can I pickpocket? Yeah, what you know? I, I would take jewelry. I would take electronics. I would take that shit to the pawn shop. Yeah, I would, I would steal my own. Uh, I was a scumbag. I would steal my own biological intermediate family's uh, stuff. You know. Yeah. I would. And it, it takes a lot to be able to say that, and you say it with no, with no shame. Yeah, because I, I want. You've already done it. I, I want. I want people to uh, know what it's like. Maybe if someone's going through a similar situation, to let them know there's hope. Like if they're stuck in like slavery to drug addiction or a slave to stealing for their drugs, you know, because it's a physical addiction, you know.
So maybe so. I can tell you this: you're not the first. You're the first person to say it on a ser- on this series or like that I've interviewed. But I know people that have done this and that have made it out. My I, I have family members that have made it the extra distance, but I also know people who haven't. Yeah, never some made pe- it out. Some people die. You know, some, yeah. it's either that lifestyle is either death, institutions, or jail. You know, and only a few are graced to uh, make it out. And I was one of the lucky ones. You know, I was one of the blessed ones. All glory to I give glory to God for for bringing me through those trials and tribulations and sorrows, you know. So and so so, so basically, um, yeah. So I, um, you know, I, I was so, I was such a scumbag when it came to shooting up heroin and and you know spending all my money on uh, on uh, strippers and hotel parties, living a very promiscuous, lustful lifestyle. Like I was a I was a man of like you know sleeping around, having one night stands, like. I wasn't looking for a relationship. I was like a playboy, you know, mm-hmm. like I was just like very, um, very uh, selfish and evil and wicked and and sinful. I didn't care about nobody. I didn't care about myself, you know, and. Um, so then what? Can we slow down? So, the, so yeah, d- during that time, I actually uh, went, I, I attempted to go to um, college again during my drug addiction, hardcore drug and, um, I went to Full Sail University. Oh yeah, I know. Which I went there. For, I went there for recording engineering. It's yeah. a place in uh, Orlando, Florida, a, na- a neighborhood called Winter Park. So I lived out there for almost a year, but my drug addiction was so bad I wasn't able to focus in school. And that's drug country too. Yeah, I think so, I guess. I mean, everywhere is drugs. But um, then my lawyer called me up from Philadelphia while I was um, in Florida, mm-hmm. and um, he was like, "Yo, your settlement came in." From the car accident. I'm getting ran over because, I, I, you know, the girl that ran me over, um, I, like, she got locked up for, like, attempted manslaughter. And then we had a big, big trial, you know what I'm saying? And my lawyer got me at, at the age of, like, 21. Like, I, re- I received a l- large lump sum of uh, settlement money. Got it. You know, um, but I, so I was like, yo, I'm dropping out of school. You know, oh, like, shit. I, you were on drugs when you got your settlement. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, so I, I was uh, so I dropped no. out I dropped out of Full Sail, Florida, and I went to um, back to Philly, and I was like, I'm set for life, you know. I got my settlement, but I was I was very young, You're addicted and, to drugs. I was young, That's I was young, I was young, dumb, and addicted to drugs, and uh, I blew the whole settlement. There's money. nothing worse you could do with yeah. a drug addict than give him a ton of money. Yeah, I was 21, <laughs> and my lawyer and I went to my lawyer. My lawyer cut me the check a big. I never seen that type of money at once, yeah. you know, and, um, yeah, I had a ball for, like, a, a year, you know. It was just, <laughs> just one year? I was living a big drug binge for one year. Just I spent the whole settlement money within one year, um, you know. I mean, and uh, I was spending on strippers and yeah. living a very... Just the evil lifestyle, like you said, yeah. what you would define as evil. So take me to who you are now. Yeah, so... Um, that's how you got here. So that lifestyle, right? Look, let me bless this bread and wine real quick. Gotcha. Because I, I had to do it in memory of Christ. Remember at the Last Supper, he took bread and wine? And, I'm familiar. I grew up Roman Catholic. Yes. And so, it is Sunday. At the Last Supper, he took bread, and he broke bread, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take it. I'll, I'll eat the bread with you. Just take it from your hand. Yeah. Take a piece. Thank you, Christ. And then he took the wine, he looked up to heaven, and 
and said, this is my blood, which is poured out and shed for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you. I do not like wine. Okay. Well, I'll turn the beer <laughs> into the blood of Christ. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, so um, where were we? Just uh, let's get to who you are now. Um, yeah, so my drug, so when I blew the money in a year, my drug addiction got, you know, I bought, with the money, I bought a fresh car off the lot, like, you know, it was used, but I dropped like 15 grand on the car. When I ran out of the money, all I had left was my car. I had no more money. You sold so the car for drugs? I, I sold the car for drugs. Ah. So I spent 15, <laughs> I, yo, my drug addiction was so bad. Oh, when, no, I know, when, you, when you're on heroin, um, you, I, you I know heroin addicts, man. Yeah. So the 15, I knew. Why do you think I immediately said you sold the car for drugs? Yeah. So, it's what you did. It's, it's, it's so textbook. I, I spent 15000 on the car when, when I bought the used car. It was a very, it was a Suzuki XL7. It was really nice. That's a nice car. Very nice. Very nice luxury interior. Everything was nice. Nice white, like SUV type of looking model. Mm. And uh, I sold it for $300 cash to a towing guy just to get money for my drug. <laughs> Because I was going through massive amounts of withdrawal. I know, yeah. yeah. And I didn't care. I didn't. I, I said F it. Like I was living like one hour at a time on my drug addiction. You know? And um, drug addiction's at its worst. Talk me through. Um, yeah. So after the money ran out, after I sold my car, I started like robbing. Like I was such a scumbag. I took a TV. Like my grandmom's screen TV. My own biological intermediate family member. Like, I, I broke into my own grandmother's house like a scumbag. And, uh... No judgment here, man. You're telling me. I didn't ask. I, I didn't ask you I, I, I don't. This. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's telling you. I, 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 talk I, all I, you want. I just want people to know that I was a scumbag. Well, but get I, past I, that. I, yeah, so, um... Get past that. We've, we've, we've so established I, so, that so, you so, are yeah, a scumbag. So, I, so I, I pawned my grandma's screen TV. And, you know, my drug addiction got so bad. I was uh, writing fake checks, stealing credit cards. Yeah. Basically, the detectives caught on to it. You know, they were watching me for a yeah. little bit, you know, and they basically... All... And this, at this point in time, you're dressed like a regular man. Yeah, I, was, okay, regular I, I looked like a skeleton. I wasn't eating because yeah. of the drugs. And yeah. I looked like a, a skull head, you know. Like, yeah. I looked very sick physically. And um, so justice caught up to me living that lifestyle. And detectives were following me for a while from the fake checks and credit cards. Mm -hmm from the cameras and, you know, um, selling gift cards inside of stores, you know, uh, going up to customers in stores saying, will you buy my gift card? I'll sell it to you for cheaper, yeah. stuff like that, you know, scheming. And so they called on to it. They knocked on my door and they said, yo, you got to come with us. You know, um, you're being charged with forgery and credit card fraud. You're going to be charged with a couple of felonies. And I explained to him everything, yo. The reason I'm doing all this is because I'm a slave to these drugs. Like these drugs, are, these drugs are my god. Like if I don't have them, like all hell breaks loose, you know. Yeah. And so, um, well, you never grew up. Yeah, I mean, you were on drugs so long, you never got to form I, as an adult. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I stopped growing actually at the age of uh, twelve. Because they say when you stop, when you start doing drugs, like that's it's the stunned. age. Yeah, that's it's stand still right there. Mm. And so basically. Um, yeah, and then so I, I uh, they put me in a holding cell for a long time, almost a 24-hour thing, and then they brought me up to the office of the detectives. They 
wrote out a summary of all the shit that they yeah. thought. Yeah. Not even half the shit you did. I mean, I admitted to all of it. Oh. Yeah. I admitted to, I, I said, like, I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. I was at the end of my rope. I was at the end of myself. You had no money, I was no at, car. Yeah. I was just like worn out, like all. Probably going through withdrawal. Yeah. It was crazy, man. I was just tired, man. And, um, Brother said, yo, like, I need help. I told the detectives I need help, man. Like, that was my first defense, like, for a felony. You know, that I... And um, so they gave me a court date. They released me from the holding cell. They gave me a court date. I went to court. Mm -hmm. And the judge said, like, all right, we know you're a drug addict and you sincerely desire to get help. We're going to give you two options. Like, you can either go to this program in Westchester which is a court-stipulated program. Yeah. You would have to go. Like, you're court-ordered to go if you choose to go here. Yes. You, you go there to get help. Like, it's other people in similar situation as you. You'll be around them. You'll be living with them for a you know a few couple of few months. Or if you don't want to do that, jail. you could go to real jail and, and do it on your own, you know? So, of course, I'm going to choose the... Um, Rehab. Yeah. It was like a... It was a behavioral modification program. Behavioral modification so they sent me to Westchester. It was a big house on a farm in Westchester. Uh, you know, people with a similar situation to me, or, or even worse. You know, yeah. and it was criminals mixed with drug addicts. It was uh, we. It was about uh, seventy-five of us in one big house, farmhouse. It was hell on earth there because everyone is mingling together, living with each other, has to eat with each other. It was like it was women and men, so mm-hmm. it was insanity. I don't know how I made it through. But every Wednesday night there, they had um, they gave us the option. You can either go to a narcotic anonymous meeting, for it's for drug NA or AA. Yeah, so you can either go to an NA meeting or you could go to this uh, Bible fellowship that they offered. So the majority of the people went to the NA meeting. Very few went to the Bible study, but I just I went to the Bible study, you know, and I was just every Wednesday that I was there, I just was going there with a the few other people. And I was being fed the word of God by, they were Christ followers. Right? They were uh, sincere, born again, they call themselves, born again followers of Christ. Uh, and, so they're born again Christians? Yeah. And is, the, are you born again? Yes. Uh, okay. And so the, the thing is, is that, um, you know, these these group of Christians, like, they were very gentle, very humble when they would talk about God. They would talk to, about God very nonchalantly and very down to earth and very... Um, they would never raise their voice. They would just talk, very polite. They would say the truth, mm-hmm. and I, and I, they wouldn't sugarcoat the word of God. But they, they didn't like shout it at you. You know, they didn't uh, scream at you mm-hmm. or force you. You know, they just t- spoke to you, mm-hmm. as like a father speaks to a son. You know, just very gently. And so, I mean, their gentleness and their humbleness, them saying the truth of, uh, of God in their in an honest, polite way, it attracted me, you know, to the God they were talking about, saying that. So basically, their faith that they bought to me was, um, they said that the creator that created everything we're looking at, like every speck of dust, every molecule, every atom, every cell, every living organism, every DNA strand, just, and this earth is like a speck of dust compared to the rest of the cosmos. So they were saying that the energy behind all that, which is God, that created everything, that it wanted to express itself to mankind. It wanted to 
it wanted men from all walks of life, people from all walks of life to know God wanted them to know them, him personally. So God, they told me God became a person named Jesus. Yes. And Jesus was, um, when God became a, 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 decided to become human and take on flesh and blood, he was, um, he chose a woman to, you know, come through her womb yeah. and, and be introduced to the world as a little baby in a manger in Bethlehem in Israel named yes. Jesus. Jesus. So, you know, and then they told me he grew up, did miracles, raised people from the dead, made blind people see, changed water into wine at weddings. Um, walked on water. Walked on water. A whole bunch of stuff. Calmed the storms. Great carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then he's, they said his final miracle was um, him offering up his life mm -hmm. as the good shepherd. And he took the punishment for all the negativity, all the evil, all the sins of every walk of life from Adam and Eve to the future generations to come. He, him himself, who created everything, took everything upon himself, all because God is love. And so, and God is justice and righteousness, but all the requirements of his character, justice, righteousness, love, sovereignty, it's all, he poured it on himself at the cross. He took the punishment at the cross. So all the requirements of God are met at the cross. And he took the punishment at the cross for all people. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what type of sin you've ever committed. Doesn't matter how filthy or how dirty one may think they are. All are welcome at the foot of the cross. This is the message that was preached to me in Westchester, Gaudenzia, when I was uh, court stipulated. And so... And then he would, they said he was buried after he died on the cross, took the punishment for the sin. He was buried for three days. One, two, three. But during those three days, he, um, when he was buried, he descended into hell. That, that's oh, what, so during those three days. change up from the story I know. Yeah. He, 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 actually, hear it. he actually descended into hell and started preaching himself in hell to the captives that have been there for ages. And um, that's why in the gospel Gospels, it says when he rose from the dead, physically rose from the dead, that other graves were opening up and pe other people were rising from the dead because they were the souls that were in hell and he brought them with him and reconciled them to their bodies. And so then after he rose after he rose physically from the dead, he actually stayed on earth before he ascended. He stayed on earth for 40 more days with his uh, disciples and apostles. And he was showing his nail prints to them saying, yo, I'm alive. They thought it was a ghost, but he's like, no, no, does a ghost have flesh and blood? Yeah, you know, touch, like, touch, touch here. Yeah. Thomas, Thomas yeah, touched his wounds. And he was coined with the name Doubting Thomas, you know? Yeah. And so. Um, I remember I, some stuff. I'm getting proud of myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, um, and then after the 40 days, he uh, ascended into heaven. He's on the throne of thrones as we speak right now. In the flesh, like literally, physically. Yes. He's in his early 30s when he rose from the dead. So that like, he, you phys he is physically like that. Like he, yeah, he physically right now he is like, somewhere. He's like when he rose from the dead, he was like between thirty three and thirty four. Yeah. So like he rose, from, he was on the cusp of like thirty three, thirty four, and that's what they say. And so that same Jesus from over two thousand years ago is actually being preserved by the Holy Spirit as it. Uh, it's basically it's like mankind. The body of Jesus and what Jesus did, Jesus is like the lawyer for mankind. Like he is in front in God's courtroom. Speaking on our behalf. Yeah, like well, I mean, the thing is, is like the judge, which is God, 
is him in it's Trinity. Him. Yeah, it's it Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three in one. It's just like you, you you're one person, you got a mind, body, and soul. You got three functions of you, but you're one. Yeah. It's like God is a father, God is a son, God is a Holy Spirit, but it's three in one. Just like St. Patrick, you know, ever hear St. Patrick's Day? So St. Patrick, um, he used to... He used let's, to not, let's not stray too far off. No, just real quick. Okay. Yeah, St. Patrick used to use the three-leaf clover to explain to the people of Ireland how the Trinity is, you know. There's three leaves on one stem of a clover. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all one, you know. Yeah. So, oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. Jesus is so the they told you that, and you liked that. And you yeah, empathize with I was, that. I was, I was attracted to their gentleness and humbleness, and their cheeks were like rosy. Their face was like rosy red, filled with like, they looked like they were filled with love and joy. <laughs> you know, and you know, um, they just, they felt, I could, ooh, I could sense, I could sense a peace on them. You now I could sense like uh, a peace and a gentleness and a love and a, and a warmth about them. That was, was like, unfamiliar, I guess. Yeah. Well, so, what, because you'd been so down in the drugs. Yeah, I mean, that I, you probably hadn't felt I, that. I, I, I felt that when I was younger, before the drugs. Yeah. Because like, I remember giving my heart to Christ when I was a very little kid. Because I went to a, like a Christian uh, camp thing. Yeah. And so while I was there, I gave, I sincerely gave my heart to the Lord. But then I forgot all about it, basically, f from the drugs and the lifestyle that I lived. But and then, then during that lifestyle, when you're a drug addict addicted to heroin and doing all these things, there's also a lot of self hate attached. And there's a lot, a lot of doubt, I just, and a lot of yeah. you feel bad. Like you, I had do a lot. Of, I had a lot of guilt and shame. Yeah. And it felt like my soul was heavy. Like it was, felt like I was carrying a bunch of weights on me. Yeah. You know. It felt like my conscience was corrupted, like, you know. So talk to me. You you became born again. So, yeah, right when I was about to be released from the program from Gaudenzi in Westchester, um, and they were going to send me back to Philly to a recovery house, um, I went up to the pastor who was running the, the fellowship, the Bible fellowship, every Wednesday night. I, go there. I went up to him. I said, yo, this man, I'm I want to accept Christ. I, I basically sighed, like, like. I want to accept Christ before I go back to Philly, you know, because Philly's like Sin City, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of temptations there, up there, up where I was, it's like farmland, you know, yeah. like you're, you're kind of isolated from a way that. And so I went up to the pastor and I said, yeah, he prayed the salvation prayer with me, you know, and um, he said, yo, I admitted that I was a sinner, that I rebelled against God. And, um, I told God I was sincerely sorry. I want to change, which is called repentance. Yeah. And which means to make a U-turn, you know. Repent I know, I know yeah. repentance. Repentance means to make a U-turn from negativity, evil, sin, and go turn the other way towards Christ and strive to live a righteous, noble life, you know, out of your free will sincerely, you know. Yes. By faith in Christ. So I did that, you know. I, I really did that, and I was uh, so that then after I did that, I packed my bags from Westchester, and I, I came back to Philly, and they sent me to a recovery house for another two months before I actually was allowed back in my house. Yeah. And so while I was in the recovery house, that was another. Um, it it was smaller than the other place. Yeah, so, but it's another two years. No, another two months. Two months. Two months. Uh, yeah, two months with with other criminals, strangers, strangers, other people criminals that are not as far along. That, they're in different stages of the process. And and yeah, everyone's on a different timetable there. You yeah. Know? And they're bossing me around, you know what I'm saying? They're picking on me, bossing me. You know, that's how it is when you're in situations like that. People think they're, people think that they're, uh, 
these collaborative efforts where really it's a bunch of people trying to get by and it can yeah. be very a lot of tension yeah everyone wants to be boss when you're um in lock in a situation like that everyone wants to be the man in charge you know so they used to like make me pick up all the cigarette butts in the backyard like really yeah that's they, fucking terrible they used to make me cook them dinner like or they would say you can't have your visits or like they, they were just very uh mean you know and I was very, I was filled with the love of Christ, so I would do it, you know? Because mm -hmm. Jesus said to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so I was striving to uh, follow those teachings. Jesus is the one. When did you become and then, you? And then I got out, and but while I was in the recovery house, I was, the whole time I was reading the Bible and stuff, you know? It took me one year to act. I couldn't put the Bible down. When I was in the recovery house, it took me one year to read the whole Bible. I read it from Genesis. You read the whole Bible? Yeah, it, uh. it felt like I had a, I was high on the Bible. Like I used to get high on drugs, but now I get high on reading the Bible. So I was high on sobriety. I was high on life. I was high on Christ. And I would tell people like, yo, I'm I'm high. I'm high on the most high. You know, like, yeah. I'm high. Like, it, I couldn't put the Bible down, you know? Jesus. And uh, I just felt like, as I was reading the Word of God for like that whole year, I felt like the liquid love of Christ fall on me like as if I was under a waterfall. And it felt like holy fire. You know, the Bible calls it uh, when it happened on Pentecost and tongues of fire rested on the disciples and Mary's head, you know? Yeah. You're yeah, and um, I felt like there was like holy fire on the crown of my head. And it just felt like I had a constant, like, uh, warmth on the top of my head that was just sizzling away all the negativity, just cleansing and rinsing me in the blood of Jesus, just uh, cleansing me, rinsing all the dirt away that was in my life, in every area of my life that was broken, like, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, even financially, like, the blood of Jesus was just mending everything back together, making everything fall into place the way, the way that I I should have been if I would have never used drugs, you know. So um, I just I constantly felt that 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 warmth that warmth Holy Spirit love waterfall liquid love just pouring over me, just rinsing me with grace, mercy, forgiveness, healing, and I, all I could just say was Jesus, like. That's the first time I admitted Jesus was God. So, so as I'm in front of the computer in the recovery house, I actually, out of nowhere, I was just sitting one day, and it felt like I had 360 vision. And it felt like I had eyes in the back of my head out of nowhere. And I actually saw, like, a Holy Ghost form of Jesus. I was looking physically in front at the computer screen, but, like, it felt like I had eyes in the back of my head, and I saw this, this heaven, heavenly Holy Ghost figure in Holy Ghost form. It wasn't like physical flesh form. It was, I, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And I believe it, but which is, Jesus is all three, you know? So, but I could see the outline of Jesus's cloak and his wavy hair. And he put his hands on my shoulder. As soon as he put his hands on my shoulder, I started like weeping tears of joy. And it felt like all the weight that I was carrying, like he relieved me from all that pressure. And it produced me, that pressure being relieved from me, it produced me to cry tears of joy. Not tears of sadness, just tears of relief. Like, oh my God, 
I, I, I felt light like a feather blowing in a wind. Like I felt my my mind, my body, my soul. It felt like a someone had a, had me as a balloon and they let go of the balloon and my whole soul felt like a balloon just being let go in the sky. Like it was amazing. And I was right I, I I was chasing that that feeling. That feeling, that that energy which is God, which is Christ. I was chasing it. I was doing everything to maintain that, that same, that, 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 same. In, that intimate relationship and how I maintained it was saying in the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Bible, which is the only Word of God. You know, mm-hmm. there is no other Word of God. Jesus, Jesus um, said He's the way, the truth, and the life. You know, no, no man goes to the Father but through Him. Jesus belongs to everybody. Christ belongs to every culture. Christ belongs to every man. Every man is seeking the truth. Every man wants the truth in this world of confusion, in this temporary existence, this temporary world of confusion. Everyone wants the honest truth. We all do. We all mm-hmm. we all seek the truth. Yeah. Seek and the so, answers. So, so the truth that every man is searching for, it actually died to know them on the cross. And it, it rose again. His name is Jesus. It's a very personal thing. And it's, it's very true. So uh, after your vision. Yeah. I saw, so after I, I had the vision, I was radically changed. I experienced the born again experience. I, I, I was watching everything Jesus, like on TV, movies. If there was a movie in the movie theater about Jesus, I would go see it. Uh, any, uh, I started watching uh, Trinity Broadcast Network, which yeah. is like the Christian uh, TV station. Got radio stations too. Yeah. So I started watching all that stuff, and uh, I was watching. Uh, I was watching like Jesus movies. You know, mm-hmm. you know how they they'll hire actors to. Play they got tons of that. They'll hire actors to portray Jesus in a movie. So then the whole, I was asking God. I was like, God, like um, I want to be used by you. You know. Like, is there any way that you can use me, like, as an instrument, as a tool to channel your your information, your knowledge, your your holy gospel? Can you use me? Because I want to give my, I want to say thank you to you. Like, I want to do something to say thanks. So, um, the Holy Spirit answered me as I was watching a, a Jesus movie. He was like, yo, um, basically the idea of dressing up like Christ, you know, dressing up like Jesus. The same way they bring Jesus to a movie or Jesus to a play in a the theater, you know. They're bringing Jesus to everyone's he, face. Yeah, he said, "Bring it to the street." You know, like the idea, my the answer of my prayer was like, "Bring it to the street." You know, so like w- William Shakespeare, he said, um, "All the world's a stage and everyone in its players." You know, that's a famous quote from William mm-hmm. Shakespeare. So I, I put two and two together: William Shakespeare theater mixed with Christ and. I, start, I, I went to a, a wholesale fabric uh, warehouse store and I picked out the closest thing that looked like the movie I saw of Christ and I put it on and uh, I was my whole I was on fire for God like I was filled with the passion of Christ fire God you still see me oh yeah 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 it's gotten radical you know it hasn't been a walk in the park though it's been a lot of pressure that's what I was gonna ask it's about it's been a lot of it's been an explosion, like a big bang of emotion. How long did it take for you to get your official moniker and the nickname of Philly Jesus? Well, the thing is, it's like I—I I know I, I don't I feel start, like you I, put I, that out there. No, no, I didn't. I sincerely started everything. I sincerely started it to get people. Like, like I was so on fire for God with the passion of Christ that, like, it felt like I was one with Him. Like, yeah. like, like besties with him, you know, like I was like, literally like, we he's were, your dude. We were tight. And, and the Bible says that all men are created in the image and likeness of God. It says that in the book of Genesis. So 
And when we give our lives to Christ, you know, um, we're at, we actually become sons and daughters of God. We become the family of God. Jesus is the firstborn, firstborn son of God. You know, like he's the one that started everything. Yeah. He's the one that threw the stone in the water, and it's a ripple effect. And now over 2,000 years later, yeah. we're still talking about Jesus. Jesus has had a major impact, major influence and inspiration on, on mankind. Men divide time by him, A.D. and B.C. Yep. Archaeologists, scientists, you know, if you turn on American television, everyone uses Jesus' name in place of a curse word. You know, Christ this. God, God damn Jesus it. Jesus Christ. God yeah, they use it in a derogatory it's way. Also you know, Christmas all that they use it in a um very um they use it not praying to him yes or not um sincerely uh worshiping him or they do it Jesus they use it in vain mm-hmm. all over tv and movies everywhere and entertainment but you know that if you notice they'll never do that to any other spiritual leader like well they'll, they'll never say buddha or muhammad or yeah. like or like Gandhi or Mary or any of the saints or any other spiritual leader, Confucius or yes. or um, uh, John Smith from the Mormons, they'll never yeah, people to go, oh, John Smith. Yeah, they'll, they'll never say. John, how do, wait, so you'd say like, instead of they'll like. Never, they'll never say John Buddha. fucking Smith instead of Jesus after yeah, Christ. imagine someone saying, uh, you know how someone says uh, Jesus Christ when something bad happened. Yeah. So imagine someone saying Buddha. Yeah. Everyone uses Jesus because Jesus is the truth. He's the most popular spiritual leader. Jesus is the one. Everyone, everyone knows who Jesus is. You know, Jesus is very. And everyone has known for G- who Jesus is for a very long time. Yeah. So you know, so I started walking around dressed up like my interpretation of Christ. My, uh, I would say, you know, Jesus is my superhero. He saved me from dr- from the dark hole of drug addiction and and deep. Uh, despair. He saved me, and so now, basically, if you will, I'm wearing his jersey. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I get that. Just like someone goes to a basketball game or a baseball, they'll wear their favorite player's jersey. My favorite uh, player in the game of life is Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. So, yeah, that's why I dress like this because when people look at me, because a lot of people, some people are visual learners. You know, some people. Yeah. Are, some people have to see like Thomas, you know, like doubting Thomas. Thomas said, I wouldn't believe until I see. So I'm, I'm not able to talk to everybody on an individual basis like you and me right now. So like people drive, people who drive by me as I'm walking, dressed like this. Just, they just see I, I, I'll never talk to that person. You're like an I'm advertisement not, for Jesus. I'm like a walking billboard for the King of Kings. And so like, I'm like, it's like a live movie. It's like a live movie. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's a live theater play in the street it's like it's a i use the whole earth as my theater have you been amazed at the fact at, at how much people are receptive to you yeah because well, I, well the reason why they're receptive is because it's the jesus is the truth i'm gonna tell you this right now i'm gonna i don't know whether to call you mike or philly jesus <laughs> i'm gonna i'll stick with philly jesus you all right yeah <clears throat> take a sip of that water um I am not the most religious of men. Um, well, yo, well, I just want to say something. What's up? Believe it or not, I am not religious. I'm spiritual. That's what I wanted to and, talk and to so, you. And so is the real Jesus. Jesus. The real Jesus is spiritual. So so men, the tradition of men, they took Jesus and they categorized him with the other world religions. Mm-hmm. And um, they made Jesus seem like this um, this guy who's over you 
with a ruler saying, do this, do that, like yeah. strict. No, 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 God, if you ever see like a a, a, da- a human dad with their human son yeah. and, they're, and they're holding hands and the dad's pushing the kid on the swing, that's what Jesus wants with every one of us. You know, that same relationship. He, he doesn't care about. No, but no, but he, he loves you, right? Yes. And he's, um, so our earth dad is going to be very protective of their little baby that they're watching. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So God, who is Jesus, he's very, he, he, um, the Holy Bible says he's a jealous God. So the thing is, is like, he died to, to try to wave us down, you know? You understand? Like, you know how someone, when someone's sinking in a ship and they'll shoot off a flare for help? So, God, remember, you ever hear the saying, like, everyone has to leave a mark on the world before you leave, like, leave your mark? Yes. So, God left his mark, which is two two pieces of wood on a cross, a blood-soaked cross on Calvary. That's the mark of the truth that every man's searching for. Yeah, well, what I was getting at is that I'm not, I'm neither religious nor spiritual, open, like not actively. Well, yo, I got good news. God, the source of existence, the highest power, When the reason why he became a man is to abolish religion and destroy religion because religion is man reaching for God. Jesus is God reaching for man. So religion and Jesus are like on t- t- two different spectrums, but they complement one another. Got it. In, in, in a weird way. Yes. I was going to say, but I, I always appreciated you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I've seen you. I've known of you for about, I've lived in Philadelphia specifically for five years or so. I've seen you at Love Park. I've seen you on Temple's campus. You're never bothering people. You're never rude. The reason that we put this whole interview together yeah. is because I was at a, I was out with some friends and uh, I had seen... Um, other born again Christians oh, with the big signs. Today? No, 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 not today, but a different I know who you're day. About. I the I day with, I saw I was you. With you yeah. That's the day we saw each other. So uh, we saw the born again, the other born again Christians. So the thing, that's why I say other. And uh, yeah, they were they were being bad. And I was telling people to not take pictures, yeah. do not give them the time of day. And I was yelling, like they had a sign that had Titus, like a Bible quote from Titus. And I was going, you don't even know who Titus is. It doesn't seem like those guys even know the Bible. They're just more so, provocateurs. Yeah, so the thing, which is why I was questioning the, yeah, when the, you said you were born again. Yeah, I'm born again. So born the terminology, vocabulary, born again. Admit, Jesus said... Um, in John chapter 3, verse 3 in the Holy Bible, the New Testament, he said that no one can see the kingdom of heaven without being born again. It's a basically it's a spiritual it means a spiritual awakening, a yes. sp- spiritual rebirth. Um, but the person that Jesus told that to was a, a religious uh, leader of his day that he was talking to, because mm-hmm. a religious leader of his day was named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, yes. a Jewish Pharisee, and he came to Jesus at night and said. I know that you're a teacher from God. I know that God sent you because no one can do the signs that you're doing. You're doing all these miracles. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of heaven without being born. And Nicodemus replied, how can me, an old man, go back into my mother's womb and be born again? But Jesus was talking in a spiritual yeah, thing. Yeah, it didn't mean literally. He said, he said, no, 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 no. Dumbass Nicodemus yeah. asking about going back in his mother's Yeah, that's room. what he is. It says it, it, says <laughs> yeah. it in the whole... I got it, got it, got it. And it, this, is a, this is a guy with um, older... And yeah, he's he, a scholar. He, he's, he's, a a scholar. El, he's an elder, yes. and, and Jesus is a young 30-year-old man yeah. talking to him, and he's like, no, no, no. It's a spiritual thing. And Jesus was breaking it down to him. And um, 
Nicodemus later became a believer. You know, when after Jesus rose from the dead. Hey. Yo, oh, what, what did you get me? Why not? I'm a disciple. Okay, well, there you have it. I'm a yeah, he doesn't think he is Jesus. I know, I'm not the virgin birth human being. He's here to remind people to think of Jesus. Well, that's a beautiful thing. What's your name? I'm Darcy. I'm Jason. Nice to meet you. I'm going to call you Saint Darcy. Oh, well, no, I'm not the saint, and I'm not trying to be a well, saint. You know, <laughs> the, 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 I like you, Darcy. <laughs> The whole, the holy Bible, the holy the Bible. The fact that you believe is beautiful to me, and the fact that you go this way out is is another. It's 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 inspirational. As long as you're delivering the right message. He is. He's a nice guy. I'm, I'm, okay. I, I, I mean well. Well, that's the, the beauty of, of it. But do you are you telling the truth in meaning well? Yeah, I tell. I tell. People mean well all the time. I know. Listen. Well, they say the the road to hell is paved on good intentions. But um, the thing is, is um, I tell people the truth that that the truth that everyone's searching for died for them on the cross and rose again from the dead. That's the truth. That sounds like truth to me, dog. It is. Hey, wall pound it right Ten there. Ten. Pound, pound. All to Christ right. on the Sabbath. God bless. You. Yeah, nice yo, keep truth. keep us both in you your prayers, and we'll pray for you too. Giving you anointment. I'm all for it. You know, Jesus drank wine. The moment you start to stray. But you know, Jesus drank wine. On occasion. Remember? I don't, know. I don't have an issue with she that. She don't got an issue. He she's changed, slurring her he words. He changed words. <laughs> you think he she's, got, she's leaving the bar? I know, I know him for myself. So my point is, don't misrepresent him. I'm not, and I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying. Well, no, no one's Don't perfect. do it and don't let nobody make you do it and don't. Leave, don't go down the wrong path. You gotta stay in prayer. Yeah, it says you pray. Pray. It, it says pray in, your ass off. It says in first. It says in first Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three and one, God one and three. Amen, love. Have a good day, Dorothy. I love you. I love you. I love you. She ain't saying that back. <laughs> I love everyone. I know. And I, I, that's your when point. I say that, it's not a romantic love. It's I know. A, I know. Just a, a different types of love. Human love. I don't think you have bad intentions with Darcy. I, I believe that love, the definition of um, real love is to treat others the way you would like to be treated. That's Golden what Jesus, rule. Jesus said, do unto others the same way you do unto yourself. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, yeah. So, um, so th those preachers that you saw with those big signs. So, and I would like so, to explain this. Is once again, you got to remember so, that so, this is also for uh, uh, the people of the future. So you can pick it a fry. I will explain to the people of the future what exactly we're experiencing, what what me and Philly Jesus are talking about. There's a certain type of preachers. They are provocateurs of certain types. They'll hold signs, big signs. I can't even say half the words that they have on these signs, but they it'll say like God hates, and then like. F-A-G-S, like yeah. hate speech, and then like no homos, no masturbators, no sluts, no – and they were – I just saw recently they added the Pope to the list of people they hate. They hate yeah, the new Pope. Yeah, they're they're very – yo, those people with those signs, yeah. they're like that serious too. I know. They're, like, they're dad children with them. Yeah, they, they're serious. And they videotape to make sure people don't attack them. And they, and they, they have little plans before – but yeah. they, they, you think they are uh, true in their intent, and they believe the things. But they, they have to be like completely out of so it. So the thing is, is, but their, 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 their take on everything, on the Holy Bible. You know, they don't. Um, to them, it's like, 
it's light and dark. You know, it's like they rebuke every type of negativity and evil that's not good for a child. Like they, you know what I'm saying? You know? Yeah. So they, they, they look at a child and like they're, they're just trying to protect their child from like the evilness and the corruption of the world. So they call out, you know. What they think is bad, which isn't necessarily bad. Yeah. Because I, the thing is, the reason we even got together is because me and you were both standing together yeah. and disagreeing. I wa- I, yeah, I, wa- I wasn't. Um, you weren't with so yeah, them. I, I, they believe in Jesus like I believe in Jesus, but the way they go about preaching Jesus and I, I feel like they're pushing people away. Absolutely. If you hold signs about how much you hate everybody, is that going to help people get if, message? If they tell people how much God loves them and God wants to welcome them, that God died for them so that they don't have to sin anymore. Like, So the thing is, is I try to tell people, you know, our sins are serious. It, it moved God to be tortured by our, by our ancestors, his own creation. There would be no reason for him to go to the cross and suffer that torturous death. If there was no reason, you know. So my take on Jesus and God and everything is this. Me personally, my personal relationship with God, I strive not to partake in the the thing that killed my best friend, Jesus. My best friend is Jesus. Mm -hmm. So what killed him is sin. So I put two and two together and I say, I'm going to strive not to partake in the thing that killed him. I'm going to try to resist temptation. I'm going to try to say no, like... I'm not going to try to get seduced by the crowd mm-hmm. and follow the crowd. I'm going to, because when you follow God, it is a lonely road. Like, you know, there's going to be people. Yeah. yeah there's gonna, Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, those guys were very just blunt and they, they're very like. But you, do you think all the things on those signs are, um, going to damn everybody to hell like you I mean, agree with the the principles of a lot of the things well, like you, so, so with the sins that they were listed up yeah i mean because some of them aren't sins yeah i mean the definition of sin in the book of james in the new testament it means to know to do right and not to do it. like it says in the book of james in the new testament written by jesus's biological half biological brother james yeah he wrote the book of james he says sin the definition of sin is to know to do right and not to do it yeah so, Which I guess I like that. I like yeah, that. I mean, how many how many things do we not do right? Uh, th- like we sin means the actual Greek um, definition of sin is um, to miss the mark. So sin it is kind to, of up to interpretation. No, 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 no. Like, nope. No, the thing is, is that God has like you and I have morals. Human yes. beings have morals. We live in a a dimension, a temporary dimension, a world on planet Earth that has laws of the land, right? And what happens when a when a human being becomes a criminal and commits crimes and breaks the law that, you know, servants of righteousness, police officers will lock them up, put them in jail, put them in front of a judge in a court system and a judicial system. And whether the criminal believes in the judge or believes in jail if they're if to themselves, their mind is like F the judge, F jail. I believe that my way is right. It doesn't matter. They're still going to jail. Yeah. So the Bible says that men are created in the image and likeness of God. So that's why we have this whole system of laws mm-hmm. and we, and not saying that the laws, we're not perfect. So there's corruption, there's corruption yeah. in everything because we're human beings, but, but God who made us is perfect. And just like we have morals, God has morals. Okay. 
You know, so God gave Moses one of his prophets from the Old Testament. He gave him moral standards, which are called the commandments. Okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, on a day-to-day basis, what it is, what is it that you are doing? So I just go around dressed as my interpretation of Christ, and uh, I don't go up to anybody. I don't push myself on anybody. I wait for people to come up to me. I dress like this as a conversation starter. You know yes. Yeah, and I, I, that's why I respect it. You've never, you're never trying to badger people. Yeah, so my, you're not asking for money either. So it, yeah, my, my strategy is, um, this is a strategy for me to preach the word in a creative, out of the box, unorthodox way. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, Jesus was unorthodox. He was out Do of the box. Do you date? So yeah, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm going through a lot of friction with this um, relationship. No. But you have been in a relationship recently. Yeah, but I'm a one one man, one woman type of person. Yeah, monogamous. You don't date multiple people no. at the same time. I don't assume you'd be out there. In the Old Testament, the prophets of God, they had multiple wives. But when Jesus came, he gave new moral standards, and he gave the apostles new moral standards, and he wants every man to be with one woman. You know, one. Yes. Do you um, do you work? Do you have a like a nine like a job yeah, job? I work for a child fund. Okay. They've oh yes, yes, yes. I know with the vests. Child Child Fund International. That, that's what I've been doing recently. It's an organization that's been around since 1938. We help all the sick and suffering children that live in extreme poverty, globally all around the world. So my job is to wear the vest. Yeah, and talk to people. And uh, basically flag people down, uh, be a stopping machine, stop people, and um, explain to them why we're out here, what we're doing that we're the voice of the children that are not educated enough to speak for themselves. They didn't have the opportunity as us Americans have in this land of freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom mm-hmm. of expression, the land of the free home of the brave. They didn't have this type of uh, great uh, opportunity you know, in America. So my job is to get children sponsored by people that are financially comfortable that could uh, could afford it. That could spare a fraction over a dollar a day. It comes out between like $32, $33 a month to sponsor a child. You become pen pals with the child. Yeah. The child writes you letters about how grateful and thankful they are that you're sparing a dollar a day mm-hmm. for their clean water, clean food, clean everything, education, health care, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. They become pen pals with them. And then the child the child draws them let you know, pictures and the person sponsors, they can hang up the pictures of the child in the refrigerator frame them, whatever they want to do. So basically, it's a form of long-distant child adoption. How has um, your lifestyle as Philly Jesus, you've become this guy that is known throughout the city, not not by everyone, but by a good chunk of people know who you are. Some people, You have a decent following on the internet, blah, blah, blah. Um, how, how has um, your lifestyle affected relationships and your life? Like not just not just romantic relationships, like friendships, uh, family, ra- X, ra- Y, and radi- Z. Radically, you know, like it's it's been a roller coaster ride. This whole Philly Jesus um, thing, it's been a roller coaster ride of, of ups and downs, trials and tribulations. A lot of pride, a lot of humility, a lot of. Uh, I assume no two days are the same. Every day is a, a different adventure. It's a, basically, I feel like, um, you know, one of my favorite stories growing up as a kid was the story of Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, the, the kid who never grows up. Yeah. 
and he takes other kids with him never to grow up, you know? Yeah. To stay young forever and just live a very adventurous life and, and fight pirates, you know? Yes. So I feel like, like, basically I feel like the, I feel like the Peter Pan of Philly. Like, I feel like I'm, you ever see the movie Hook ever? I'm not the new movie Hook. No, no Hook. It's, it came out in the early '90s, dude. No, I did not. I did not see Hook. That's probably yeah. Well, it's about how Peter Pan like grew up. Oh. Like Peter Pan, like it's a movie about how Peter Pan like um, decided to leave Neverland and yeah. become an adult. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. And then he wanted to get married and have kids. Yeah. And Robin Williams, who, yeah. who remember he committed suicide. Yeah, I know. He plays Peter Pan in the movie Hook. Uh, you know, and, and Dustin Dustin Hoffman, who's a major Hollywood actor, he yeah. plays Captain Hook. But yo, know, it's the movie Hook is actually um, one of the best movies of all time. And um, basically, I, I look at Philadelphia as like, well, like Love Park area, yeah. City Hall, Dilworth Park, yeah. where all the fountains are, art museum. To me, it's like if I'm at one of those places, I almost expect to see. Yeah, to me, it's like that's my form of like. Never, never, never land. You know, like, never... Like, I feel like it's an adventure. You understand? Like, people come up to me and pour out their problems to me. Like, they just, like, profusely cry. You know, they... Um, like, a, a woman came up to me in my travels as Philly Jesus, um, bouncing around in Center City, doing what I do. She came up to me crying, and she had a, a nap, you know... You know she had a napkin balled up full of blood and it was a fetus inside the napkin. Jesus. Yeah, and she and she came up to me like I was God himself and like this, how could you let this happen to me? And this was like, you know, an extreme Philadelphia poverty person, you know, like with a a fetus in a balled up napkin that she kept in her pocketbook. And so I get all types of people for, when they see me, they they see, they they think, react. Yeah, and they they pour out their problems to me as if I'm literally God Himself, you know. And um, I mean, I'm a child of God, you know. Um, like a surrogate. Yeah, a I'm vessel. A, yeah, I'm just an instrument, a tool of God. So, you know, some people, you know, I've been held up by guns before, you know, for doing this. Like just on my way home, people don't know how to take it. You know, they don't know how to. Some people. Um, yeah, like a Darcy, for example. She, yeah. she she she's turned off at first because it comes off like you might be intimid like it, you might think you're God. Yeah, so, so, so a lot of people probably do think that. Yeah, like this, people listening to this now well, are probably like, people don't know what to think. You know, people think is he crazy? Is he a genius? Is he is he is he an idiot? Is he dumb? Is he retarded? Is he is he smart? Like what the hell? What what is this guy's deal? Like, and and so them their mind like jumping all around. They want to find out, so they talk to me. Yeah. Even with all those emotions, and I don't mind. Yeah, you're. I don't mind them thinking like that. I don't care. It goes in one ear and out the other. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to introduce you to the to who I follow and who I'm trying to intimidate. I mean, imitate. imitate. Yeah. So you know, imitate. You know, they say that there's a saying, a human saying that imitation is one of the hot, one of the highest forms of flattery. So yeah, I'm just um. I'm just imitating my interpretation of Christ, you know, just like people, um, you know, there's lookalikes, celebrity lookalikes, you know. The, the, that is more what you're doing rather than you, you so, don't think you're God. Well, no, I, I just think I'm a, a child of God. Like, yes. I'm part of the body of Christ. 
the family. You know, Jesus is the head of the body of, yeah. of God. And then people who believe in Jesus, they get grafted in to the body of Christ, you know. Some, some are hands, some are feet. Some are, the Bible talks about it in the book of Corinthians in the New Testament. So tell me, what did you do today before you came here? I went to uh, two church services. Okay. I went to... Uh, do you go to churches dressed like Jesus? Yeah, sometimes. Or do they ask that you not? So when I, when I was in uh, New Jersey... Yo, what time is it? Um, it is 5.39. All right, cool. I actually got service at six o'clock. So that's PM. actually fine. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap is, it up. Which is at like 13th of market. Okay, we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah, just talk me through your day. It's a Sunday in 2019. Yeah. Talk me through. Yeah, so I woke up today. I didn't have time to take a shower because I woke up kind of late. And so I just threw on some clothes and walked a couple blocks from my temporary earth house. And I went to uh, a church service. Um, to partake in the Holy Communion, which uh, the church that the church that I went to, the denomination of the church is a, it's a Catholic church. Yeah. Because I like to, you know, there's a human saying, "You are what you eat." Yeah. You ever hear that? You yes. are. So, I put two and two together, and I'm like, okay, if I partake in the body of Christ and I take the Holy Communion, do you go to all sorts of different denominations? Yeah, I'll go to an all black church. That's all black, yeah. uh, like a Baptist church. Yeah, Baptist. And, and they're all going? they're all jumping around, like going like this. Yeah. Like you know, and then ooh. there's also the Episcopal one. Yeah, so I mean, I visit because there's many denominations in the faith of Christ. You know, you got look, you got Roman Catholic, you got Pentecostal, Protestant, Seven Day Adventist, Mormon, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, Methodist, Episcopalian, Luther, Baptist, Lutherans, yeah. you know, Baptist, and Evangelical it goes, Christians. It, it goes on and on. So the thing is, Jesus said, "I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life." So I tell people when they ask me, they're like, what denomination are you from? I say, I was raised Roman Catholic, but when I got born again, I don't identify. You're non non-denominational. I'm a non-denominational, born-again follower of Jesus. But I don't mind talking or fellowshipping with any denomination. Like, I will talk to You're you. You're actually open. Yeah, but I, I will go there representing my faith. Yes. And I'll, I don't, you know, and we, you know, we... Every denomination has different doctrines. So after this interview, you're going to go to your third service of today? Yeah, which is uh, it's a Catholic church. Okay. And the word Catholic means universal. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to ask you the same question. But, I, but at tw 12 noon today, mm -hmm. right before I came to see you, I went to uh, Calvary Chapel, which is a non-denominational born-again church. It's a non-denominational born-again church um, on Philmont Avenue in, yes, nor in Northeast. Northeast and his name is Pastor Joe Falsh. Mm -hmm. So that's where I just came from. Um, talk to me about... Um, uh, no, no, no. The same question I ask everybody, the last thing. Philly Jesus, what would you like to say to the people of 2100? 2100? The people alive in 2100. So I wanted to get your story on the podcast because I think your, your life... And what you're doing is something very specific to our time period and to what our lives are like. Yeah. Um, I think it's also specific to this time period because of what we talked about, the drug addiction and the, the, the lifestyle you lead. Yeah, um, so, so, so I have, you know, I've been living a, a righteous, noble life, striving to by sincere faith in Christ yeah. for almost uh, six years now. Got it. Since late 2013. I've been preaching the holy gospel of Christ since late 2013. And now it's uh, summer of 
June 2nd, 2019. So to the people of 2100, what would you like to say? God bless you all in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who came in the flesh to take away our sins. He alone is the source of existence. He alone is the highest power. He always will be. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He will comfort you. He will give you a peace of mind and a, and a joy unspeakable in the midst of all hell breaking loose in front of you. So, and just, just know that life, life on earth, it's all temporary. Don't get too comfortable. Don't invest all your time in, in, um, don't, don't get too comfortable. Don't make this your home. You're just passing through. Just, just look at it as a temporary earth house dwelling. You're here for a short period of time. The Bible, the Holy Bible says we're here. We're like, it says the human, that one one's human life is like a mist in in the wind, like it's a vapor. You're you're here for a season, and then the next one, the next generation comes and goes. You know, it's it's been like that since uh, antiquity, since the beginning of um, planet Earth. You know, but I mean, life is a beautiful thing. It's a gift. Every second is a gift from God, who who is the highest power, and. Um, Enjoy it. Strive to live a righteous, noble life by sincere faith in Jesus, by following the teachings of Jesus. Strive. You know, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Jesus is a friend of sinners. You know, Jesus... Jesus said in the Holy Gospel, Luke in the New Testament... He told, he, he told the religious leaders of his day that thought they were so righteous, but they were really self-righteous. He, he told them, don't think that I come for people who think they're righteous. I come for sinners who know they're sinners and admit they're sinners, and they, they want to change, which means to repent. That's who he came for. He came for the broken to fix what is broken, to save the lost, you know. The holy, that's what, that's yeah, what yeah. The holy Bible says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." No one has ever kept God's moral standards to the T. You know, no one has. We've all fallen short in different ways, and um, that's why Jesus was manifested in the flesh, and He suffered that that heinous, horrific uh, death. But then He was buried, and then He rose from the dead. So the greatest story ever told, which is the story of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Emperor of Emperors, the God of Gods, his story when he became a man and he rose from the dead, it's the greatest story ever told. There will never be another story that can compare to the story of Jesus Christ. There's, I mean, there's other good stories out there, but Jesus is, tops them all. You know? All right. Well, thank you. God bless you all. And just know that Philly Jesus sincerely loves you all. And I wish you all well. And I, I pray for all of you. I pray for all the people um, from 20, 2100, right? I pray for all of the 2100 people from the year 2100. I'm, even though I may never meet you, I'm praying for you right now in the past.
I'm praying for you right now. Like, I'm praying for all the future descendants of 2100. I'm going to pray for you sincerely in the name of Jesus. I love you. God bless you. Ciao. Trade your ass Now, Jesus, reach out and touch face. <laughs> that interview was a goddamn roller coaster, but here's the thing. Philly Jesus is someone who's actively trying to do good, which is a valiant and decent thing for him to try. However, I think some structure might be a good thing for him. He's an enigma, and I can't tell you how to feel about him, because I'm not sure how to feel about him. Not because of his past mistakes and the drugs, but a little bit more of the Jesus thing and how, how it portrays itself. Uh, with the Jesus thing comes the Christianity thing, and with the Christianity thing tends to come some right-wing, a little bit of bigoted ideology. And if any of you have Philly Jesus on social media, you know what I'm talking about. But once again, I don't know what to think about Philly Jesus. And to be honest, I don't know if Philly Jesus knows what to think about Philly Jesus. But that's 2020 for you. A man who portrays Jesus every day in the streets of Philadelphia is posting crazy memes about trans bathrooms and Islam. And how the fuck am I supposed to know how to react to that? Everyone is troubled and through troubles, people often find God. And that's fine. Just make sure that you don't get blinded by the light. Thank you and happy 2100.